Chapter 9 of The Outdoor Girls at Foaming Falls. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Read by Jennifer Lanham. The Outdoor Girls at Foaming Falls by Laura Lee Hope. Quick Work. Molly swerved her car as far as she could to the side of the road. It skidded, swung sideways like a crab, righted again. No good. The limousine was still in the center of the road, bearing down upon them like a battering ram. A head-on collision seemed inevitable. At that moment, Molly needed all her presence of mind and experience. She felt her heart pounding in her throat, her head was hot. Her hands gripped the wheel firmly as she saw the only thing she could do, charge into the ditch at the side of the road. It was a perilous thing to do, rash and reckless, but the other way was positive disaster. With a little prayer in her heart, she gave the wheel a mighty tug, held it with firm fingers as it turned and wrenched in her grasp. The front wheels of her car took the ditch. There was a sickening lurch, a horrible bumping and pounding. The other car flashed by so close that rear guards almost touched. Stella's coming, said Grace hysterically, looking behind. She's right after us. Good girl, muttered Molly between tight lips. She bumped along over the rough, uneven ground for several yards more until they came to a place where the road sloped down to meet the ditch. Here, Molly verged on the road again. A few feet farther on, she stopped the car. Stella all right? she asked. Right behind us, from Amy. She is stopped too. Molly stepped out on the road a bit shakily. Stella came to meet her. The face of the younger girl was white, but she seemed in perfect command of herself. That was a pretty close shave, she said. Close shave? Molly clenched her fists and stared in the direction of the vanished car. I'd like to have the owner of that car up in court for a few minutes. I could tell him several things he ought to know about driving. You did splendidly, though, she added. That was as rough a bit of road work as I've seen. Most new drivers would have been rattled. Stella flushed with pleasure at the praise, but modestly denied any credit to herself. All I had to do was to follow you. If I had been in your place, I think I should have been paralyzed with fright. Molly chuckled. In a situation like that, paralysis is the last thing you can afford to have. But one thing I stopped for, she added was to tell you that from now on you'd better take the lead. You have the road map and the route your father marked out for you. Stella looked alarmed. Oh, I wouldn't go first for anything, she protested. Not after what happened just now. Here, you take the map, Molly. You know more about such things than I anyway. Molly accepted the map Stella thrust out to her and studied it intently. Mm-hmm. This all seems clear enough. We take the fork to the left, and for a long time we have nothing to do but go straight ahead. If you're sure you want me to take the lead. 
She was in the act of stuffing the map into the pocket of her sport coat when an exclamation from Irene made her whirl about suddenly. I saw Hesper! I know I did! Irene had left the Ford and was standing beside Molly's car, gesticulating excitedly. I saw him, I tell you, she repeated impatiently as Molly and Stella continued to stare at her. Where? He came out of the woods on the other side of the road. I saw him as distinctly as I see you now. Come on, I intend to do a bit of investigating. She ran ahead toward the intersection of the two roads, Molly and Stella following more slowly. Grace and Amy had heard Irene's exclamation and joined them curiously. Irene reached the place in the road where the collie, according to her, had appeared. She parted the bushes eagerly. The other outdoor girls came close, and looking over her shoulder, they saw a great golden dog trotting away from them in leisurely fashion down the woods path. Irene pursed her lips and whistled softly. The dog paused and looked back. He was puzzled, apparently, but not particularly interested. Irene whistled again, but this time the collie paid not the slightest attention. Anyway, I intend to follow him, said the girl, resolutely pushing through the bushes and starting along that path. If that collie isn't Hesper, it's his twin brother. Her companions hesitated for a moment and then started after Irene. There seemed nothing else to do. I think you're wrong, Irene, Stella protested. If that dog were Hesper, he would have come to your whistle. Hesper always did. Irene did not answer, but continued to press on. It seems to me we are taking a risk, Amy ventured after a moment or two. Suppose the dog should turn on us in this lonely place. Shh, said Irene suddenly. There's a house. Can you see it through the trees? Stella giggled nervously. Looks more like a shanty to me, she said. However, have it your own way. The collie had crossed the road and disappeared around the side of the building. Irene had already abandoned the shelter of the woods. The other girls followed. The dog had made a bed for himself in the long grass at the side of the shanty. He seemed evidently at home in the place. The girls approached cautiously. Suddenly, the collie, who had been watching them a bit suspiciously, rose to his feet and faced them. The ruff rose on his handsome neck, and his feet were planted stiffly before him, his eyes intent and watchful. Even Irene was momentarily daunted by the fierce aspect of the animal. She hesitated, half turned back, then started resolutely toward the dilapidated house. Now what? asked Grace, as they followed her resignedly. Aren't you satisfied yet that this collie isn't Hesper? I won't be satisfied until I have at least seen his owner, Irene retorted doggedly. The whole thing looks suspicious to me. She pulled at the rusty bell, and a discordant jangle sounded within the house. While they waited for a response, the girls kept a watchful eye upon the collie. The brute had lain down again, but he still seemed to regard them with suspicion. They waited for a considerable time, and when no answer came to the first summons, Irene impatiently pulled the bell again. This time they heard footsteps within the house. 
In another moment, the door was open just enough to show the unkempt figure and sour visage of the most unpleasant individual the outdoor girls had ever laid eyes upon. Even Irene was momentarily daunted by this apparition. "'What do you want?' the woman demanded suspiciously. "'Whatever you want,' she added with a grim smile, "'I ain't got.' The girls felt a hysterical desire to giggle. But with the eyes of this grim personage upon them, they hardly dared do so. At last, Irene found her voice. She said quite meekly, We don't want anything, really. We only came to ask, pointing to the watchful collie, if that is your dog. Inoffensive as the question might have appeared to most people, this woman evidently took it as the grossest kind of insult. The frown that gathered on her brow was truly terrifying. The outdoor girls had an impulse toward flight, but with the collie on guard, they knew that any sign of panic on their part might prove disastrous. Molly spoke quickly, hoping to mollify the woman. We think he is one of the handsomest collies we ever saw, she said pleasantly. My friend here loves animals, and we couldn't resist the temptation of following your beautiful collie for a little way through the woods. If we have disturbed you, we are certainly very sorry. The woman seemed slightly pacified, though she still retained her grim and sullen look. If I was just to give the word, she said, regarding them with what seemed to the girls a sort of malicious pleasure. That collie would see to it that you never troubled honest people again. But I won't say the word. Not if you get out quicker than you came. The insulting tone of the woman angered the girls almost beyond their control. But they knew that in this case, at least, discretion was by far the better part of valor. It did not take them long to find the woods path again and to proceed along it swiftly to the comparative safety of the open road. Phew, said Grace, drawing a great sigh of relief. Don't you ever take me again on a wild goose chase like that, Irene Moore. Next time you see a dog that looks like Hesper, that's my cue to run in the opposite direction. End of chapter 9